You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 627, The Beatles. Maybe that wasn't the end. The enduring appeal of mixtapes, spending Christmas with Tom Kerridge, being common with Nicky Haslam, and nights out with Sir Cliff and Stereo Lab. That's all coming up after XTC and Stupidly Happy. I'm stupidly happy. Everything's fine. I'm stupidly happy. My heart pumping wine. I'm stupidly happy. With idiot grin. I'm stupidly happy. It's surely a sin. 
written by Andy Partridge, who turned 70 this week. Wow. Um, indeed, this wasn't released as a single. Perhaps it should have been. Um, mm. from the, the year 2000 and the album Wasp Star, the album number 108 on Billboard, 40 in the UK, XTC mm. and Stupidly Happy. Yes, I like that. I'm surprised that wasn't a single. Like you say, I think that's exactly um, that's exactly the sort of thing you should have released as a single, shouldn't it? So, well, it 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 sounds like a hit to me, but clearly record companies know clearly we know we know nothing. <laughs> we do know we, nothing. Clearly. Welcome along to Parish Council episode 627. I'm Terence Stackham, and here she is, the common sense czar, the estimate <laughs> they of audio presentations. It's Julia Harris. That's me, the anti-woke host, as I'm sure everybody that is aware of my opinions would describe me. <laughs> so ridiculous. Anyway, oh, I, I mean, you know, let's all go and present GMTV and then become politicians. For goodness sake. Anyway, I mean, you know, it's it's uh, and I did get a text message from someone who I know in the news reporting industry, shall we say, who sent me a message seven minutes before it happened saying, you think that Cameron was crazy this morning. I have just seen someone that looks very, very much like Esther McVeigh in the back seat mm. of a car round the corner. Brace yourselves. And then seven minutes mm. later, out she got. Um, oh, what can we say? Slim pickings. and But also Tatton has had a pretty good hit rate for ministers, hasn't it, by and large? But um, McVeigh, George Osborne... Um, what's his name? Um, Neil Hamilton. Sadly, not Martin Bell, though I do feel the country would have been better if Martin Bell had been had been a minister. But anyway, hello everybody. I've digressed already, and we're not even started yeah. yet. On a totally unrelated note, how hmm. many how many quiz questions did you present this weekend? Ah, it's almost like you know what I was up to. I was at a quiz, a buzzer quiz in a university challenge style format in Birmingham, run by the Online Quiz League organisation, where I saw a lot of friends. There were 50 teams competing, all had squads of um, at least four, but no more than six. So that gives you an indication as to how many people there were there, hundreds, basically. And... Um, I was one of the readers for the people pressing their buzzers, um, which meant that in a total, I read probably approximately 800 quiz questions in a single day. I read them out at great speed often as well. So if I still sound a little bit buzzy, that's probably why. Oh, my word. What a weekend. I know. And I can remember very few of them. So too, when it <laughs> there was a really good one about Orinoco flow. But apart from that, <laughs> I can't remember anything. Well, I can't remember what I did an hour ago. Never mind. Well, uh, exactly. And, and, and who knows? We probably won't remember what we've done in an hour's time. Uh, 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 yes. Last time we were together, mm. we explored all matters Beatlish in we a special did. based we around a the re- special. Yes, we did around the reissue of the Blue and Red albums and the emergence of the track now and then pieced together mm. using AI technology. And the world may now be reclining in their Beatle world thinking, oh, well, that was that. There's no more, but wait, here oh, comes, no. here comes not the sun, but here comes Peter mm. Jackson with his seemingly infinite number of hours of footage and audio from Get Back. Here's a quote for you, Jules. We can take a performance from Get Back, separate John and George, and then have Paul and Ringo add a chorus of harmonies. You might end up with a decent song, but I haven't had conversations with Paul about that. <laughs> I dare say. The, the, the quote is from an interview in last week's Sunday Times. So what do you think, Jules? A couple of new singles every year for the next 10 years. 
you know what? I'm probably done now. And I say that as someone who is completely obsessed with the Beatles, like all sane people are, I think, really. But, you know, it's one thing. I think it's one thing if you find a song that's pretty much complete in terms of a demo. So, like, you're not having to make a new song, if you see what I mean. What, what, sort of, but both things at the same time. So you're not having to, you're not kind of making something completely new from old fragments. But nor are you just make, but you've still got some sort of new content. If you see what I mean. So when they talk about, oh, you know, we can just we can put extra stuff onto it. I don't think it's. I don't know. I I just feel that that you know, the the extra songs that have been released. So that the two we had before this, um, Freezer Bourbon, Real Love and this they're all really quite good i think and i'm happy for it just to stop there i have a horrible feeling the law of ever diminishing returns might kick in otherwise i think you're right just because you can do something doesn't mean you, you oh need very to do it. true um thinking of um extending heritage bands appeal i read an interview mm. um uh, with keith richard um last month oh, yeah. when they were promoting the new stones album it's kind of related to this because he was asked about the possibility of a Stones hologram show and he said uh, I certainly wouldn't rule it out I'm pretty sure it's bound to happen end of quote so this incredibly looks like the future to me like pretend mm. versions of ABBA the Stones are now almost inevitably the Beatles all in hologram shows you know while Peter Jackson compiles new Beatles songs I don't know derived from Ringo coughing in the studio in Savile Row <laughs> That doesn't sound ideal, really. So having said that, everyone I know that's been to the ABBA show has absolutely loved it, actually. Everyone goes crazy for it. Yeah, I've I've had the same feedback, yeah. Now, there's a couple of new books out related to the time that cassettes were the big new thing Mm. in the industry. Unspooled by Rob Drew and High Bias by Mark Masters. They're the books. A, A time... When the music industry warned us that home taping mm. was killing music. And you can buy T-shirts with that on now, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Yes. There's a strange disparity about the fuss made about musicians not gaining their true income mm. because of streaming services now and um, perhaps passing on recordings or tapings of musicians' work in the mm. past. Yeah, I, I find this really strange, and I have a personal interest here, of course, because mm. I could walk into a charity shop, a second-hand shop, yes. on eBay, whatever, Amazon, and see second-hand copies of, say, um, a movie I've worked on being offered, mm. and what do we, the writers or performance, see of that, see of it, see of it? nothing. And mm. it's, I always feel the same with second-hand books. I mean, everybody, and I do the same myself, you pick up a second-hand book here or there, you think, ooh, that, you know, I'll have a read of that, ooh, mm. you know, 199 great but in a sense it's piracy because the writer or the publisher sees nothing of any resale profit. although they have that although they have of course seen the the, the profit originally from the original sale well, of the book. but yes but, but you yes. could say that about the home taping couldn't you well somebody yes, bought the true. album at first but the 55 cassettes uh, versions that have been taken from it yes you know, it's true it's it's a cure really and it's one maybe there's a difference here between um charity shops selling second-hand books and second-hand bookshops possibly because mm. i suppose if you buy books from oxfam and oxfam have a number of specialist bookshops now that are really good there's a great one on the brighton lanes that i like to go see um 
I suppose if you buy from there, you are at least donating to a charitable enterprise, aren't you? Although I suppose you could then argue that the person whose work it is surely uh, should make the decision themselves. I was going to say, for the writer or the publisher, whether it's charitable or for profit, yes. the writer still gets nothing. Well, well yes, I want to yeah. ask you, Jules, mm-hmm. are you still compiling mixtapes for your loved ones? Yes, yes, I am actually, or and loved I'm still. One. Com- Yes, indeed. Uh, yes, let's let's cut that rumour down yes. to size. Yes, yes indeed. Yes. And also, as one must love oneself, I also compile mixtapes for myself. Do you? I don't do this so much now, but um, like I keep saying I must revive it. When I first started work at my current employer, I started in September 2020, so in the middle of the pandemic, and it was quite a strange time. But when I was sort of going in once a week, I well, I <clears throat> I had an older iPhone at the time that didn't hold its battery charge very well. And I decided that, as a friend of mine at work put it at the time, you could easily have bought a power pack, but no, you won't crack and buy a power pack. You've taken a completely different route to solve it, which was that I bought a cassette Walkman and started listening to cassettes on my way to work to save the battery on my mobile telephone, which is an incredibly running around the moon to meet the sun way of solving this problem. It also meant that when lockdown did kick in again and I couldn't go to work, I used to spend a lot of time happily making mixtapes at home, dreaming of when I could listen to them on the train to work again. And of course I did. As a result of which, people would then, for my birthday for the last couple of years, I got lots of cassette tapes. And I, before my birthday one year, not even deliberately hintingly, had put up a photograph of the few REM tapes that I had. And by the end of my birthday celebrations that year, I then had the complete set because various people, bless them, somehow all managed to buy different ones. They didn't coordinate, but they all managed to buy me at least one new one each that I didn't have. So I'm a big fan of cassette tapes and mixed tapes. And you can still make people mixes on Spotify. And I have done that for some of my friends that don't have tapes. Um, I still like to compile mixes for people. I think it's great. I think it's a really nice way of doing it. I have quite a lot of people that like to follow me on Spotify, bizarrely, um, because um, because I do often put mixes up that I make for myself. I make a mix each month. I call it September, October, November of 23. And anything that I like to listen to. I pop it up on my list so that I don't forget it. And actually, it's really nice to go back through previous months and listen to what I've been doing. But I do like the physicality of tapes, I must say. And also, I used to find it really fun to make them because I would sometimes make them off vinyl, which would mean that you would have to listen to the whole song, which is mm. a more which meant you've got to spend a lovely afternoon listening to music whilst you were waiting a ta- making a tape. And I'm now thinking... You know, it's been a little while since I did that on an afternoon. I must try and do that again soon. So um, I do like making mixtapes, but also it's lovely to make a, a, a sort of a Spotify mix with someone. And I do this thing for my friends where I did it for one of my best friends for her birthday a couple of years ago, again in lockdown, where I made her a playlist of songs that I knew she liked. And I, I put it in an order that spelt out her name as an acrostic if you read down the beginning <laughs> of each of each thing. So, so you know. Hmm. They they spelt out her name. And I did this for a friend of mine on a tape um, where I made his name out of Stereolab songs because he really likes Stereolab. So I did that for him. Um, actually, it's lovely enough doing that as a Spotify sort of list. But if you do it, if you compile an actual mixtape for someone... They, you know, if you do someone a 90 minute t- tape, it's taken you probably the best part of two and a half to three hours. And they're real labours of love, I think, in, in genuine ways. So I love mixtapes. I love still making them. There might be a time when all my equipment dies and I can't make them anymore. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to keep persevering. 
Of course, in the uh, original era of cassettes, the 70s and 80s before your time, we didn't ever call them mixtapes. We we um, put what we called a compilation tape mm. um, into our new knockoff Sony Walkman. And yes, it was it was part really was a part of the courtship ritual back then to compile a cassette to impress your mm. new girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. And uh, as you say, what a labour of love it was because. As you rightly say, unlike a Spotify playlist where you just click and drag, mm. um, you actually had to re- record the compilation tape in real time. So, but but um, I think what um, well, I think I used to do this, but I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't sort of generic. I tried to both convey um, my admiration when I was compiling these tapes, compile my mm. admiration of my favourite artists, but perhaps in, add in some, I don't know, some Sartre or John Coltrane to indicate you were, you know, a deep thinker. Yes, that uh, you were well a sophisticated as, person. Indeed. As well as the coolest yes. boy in town. That's right. Yeah. But um I used to put silly things on my mix CDs and mixtapes. So I had a, a box set of what became the day to day on TV started off as on the hour on Radio oh, yes, 4. And I, I had a CD of um, of those and I used to intersperse sketches between songs on some mixtapes or put little adverts in. I've got a, a few CDs. I still do this. I did this for a tape of mine for a tape for a friend of mine a while ago, which I've got a CD that's got tr- uh, trunk records and um, that's got a lot of old um, a lot of old adverts on it. So occasionally, if you get a, a, a compilation from me, you will hear adverts for Timex watches, sort of in between things, <laughs> or, or, or weird little bits of uh, someone claiming that the M25 had been stolen on the day, on the on on the hour or something. So I used to like weaving in random bits in my in my compilation. Coming next, a Christmas dinner prepared by Tom Kerridge. Well, and... that sounds nice. An ongoing dispute between class warrior Nicky Haslam and defender of the masses Martin Lewis. Man of the people, citizen citizen Lewis, yes, powerful people. That's right after Emma Anderson.
know if this is a full and frank personal disclosure or a disgusting name drop. I can't decide which. But I actually know Emma Anderson a little bit. She's a pal of mine and she's an excellent person. I like her very much. And I am so pleased for her that she because I bumped into her um in the road. It would have been last summer, I think. And I asked how she was. I was on my way to somewhere. And she said, oh, yeah, she was fine. She was in the midst of recording a solo album, but she didn't know how it would turn out. Well, it's turned out absolutely fantastically. And it's been very well acclaimed critically. Um, just uh, just a really lovely record. I think she's so talented. She's always had a wonderful voice. And I'm delighted that the album this comes from, Pearlies, is being so well received. And the name of that song was Ben the Round. Which could be acclaimed by me as well, because this was new to me. And I didn't know that Emma Anderson had a new album out. So mm-hmm. um, I listened to the whole album this afternoon. Mm. And it is absolutely Wonderful, fantastic. It? It's yeah, a great genuine album of the year contender for me, for sure. Well, I'm delighted to have introduced you to it. It's a wonderful record. It's an excellent album. Over the years, we've uh, we've had some fun and raised some ire with our coverage of insane advent <laughs> calendars and individual yes. companies taking advantage of the Christmas market. Some years ago, uh, 2017, we uncovered the sheer cheek of influencer Zoella's oh, yes. dismal advent calendar. One of and my favourite ever of all time, not least of which the, the people we discovered that have recreated it from Poundland for a third yes, of the price. Right. Yes. And a couple of years ago, um, Juliet discovered the official Chanel advent calendar. Yes, uh, I $800 or 600 pounds and it included chanel branded stickers a keychain a magnet and a plastic snow globe it was all pretty thin gruel wasn't it if i remember correctly so let us turn to a particularly strange version of christmas expense that juliet juliet's found for us this year this time jules a celebrity chef and his christmas box Yes. Now, this is an old a friend, shall we say, of the podcast, Tom Carriage. We've occasionally covered Tom's endeavours in, the, in yes. the past. Can I just say, whenever I've watched his television programmes on TV or heard him interviewed on, on the radio, he sounds like a very joyful man. He seems a very <laughs> nice man that genuinely cares about the hospitality mm. industry. So I, I have a lot of time for him sort of, and, and the things he tries to do. However, I find his product placement to be a little wacky sometimes, I must say, and his, his kind of endeavours. Um, do you remember that it was him that did wasn't it like 17 quid fish and chips at Harrods or something was, that was 30, him, I think it was it? 37 quid fish and chips that's it um, you got so, nine chips if I remember indeed. right indeed uh, they were probably quintuply cooked but yes no, I do remember that not not ideal that uh, I remember if only we were still living in times where the worst thing we could say about him was that he did a blokey salad on his TV programme that I reviewed with you once where um, the salad contained bread and dripping for example so um anyway he's back 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 um just when he thought it was safe to step away from your 37 pound 50 fish and chips in harrods um you could and actually i started reading this always sounds really nice tom carriage's beef wellington christmas box 2023 i can't do his accent so i'm sorry i can't do the sort of gloucester accent step away from the traditional turkey dinner and let me introduce the ultimate festive indulgence my this is tom speaking obviously beef wellington christmas box handmade succulent beef wellington made with british hereford beef wrapped in a golden half pastry served with a rich red wine sauce or red rind as i'm insisting on saying it and accompanied by pigs in blankets all you need to do said terence is to add your own roast potatoes and vegetables to the mix it's that simple exclamation mark I've taken care of the rest with everything 
um, prepared by my team of chefs at Lush by Tom Kerridge. So this is the name of the endeavour and it's literally right. called Lush. Followed with a sticky toffee pudding with toffee sauce and topped with the festive flavours of Christmas spiced butter. And if you have any room left to finish, there's creamy salted caramel fudge. It sounds a little bit like a heart attack in a box. My ideal meal, actually. Uh, meat with multiple puddings and no vegetables. Sounds like my kind of dream meal. But anyway, <laughs> easy to follow cooking instructions. And mm. Bonus recipes for the best crispy roses and, and delicious Brussels sprouts. It's a complete package designed to make your Christmas dinner unforgettable. Your box will also come with a special gift from myself and M&S. Oh, that's quite exciting. Anyway, um... The uh, the box does not include vegetables. It includes some pigs in blankets, a beef wellington, uh, some red wine sauce, sticky toffee pudding with toffee sauce and Christmas spice brandy butter and uh, salted caramel fuzz. This is to feed four people generously. How much would you pay for this Christmas box, Eddie? 50 quid if I was pushed. I'm afraid we might have to stretch the budget a little bit. Oh, um, this will cost you a mere £215. To... Absolutely ludicrous. There's no veg. There's no potatoes. What? That's the bit that mad. really sticks in my yes. a little sort of The little add-on you said, just add your own roast potatoes and exactly. vegetables. That's the difficult bit. Anyone can go and <laughs> buy this blooming just... beef thing. Just, uh, just add half the meal. In contrast, and may I just point out at this point mm. that other outlets are available. I have not been endorsed or sponsored by Donald Russell in order to tell you about this, but I like. By the way, that. people will pay this. Sorry to interrupt you. Sorry, yes, that is a fair point. Mm. I mean, we think it's ridiculous, but then pe- mm. people bought Zoella advent calendars, <laughs> yeah. so uh, and I suspect Chanel advent calendars. Um, mm. it does seem a bit crazy. Um. Like I say, I have no issue with Tom Courage himself, but this does seem a bit detached from reality. And it surprises me, given that I've seen some really good Tom Courage programmes in the last year or two, following the travails of uh, restaurant and hospitality business owners as they try to recover from the pandemic. That's been really clear eyed on how energy bills are, are killing some people. Who knows? Maybe they're trying to make this some sort of you know, some some kind of you know, profit recovery thing. I don't I don't know, but in there in the meantime, I'm a fan of the online butcher, Donald Russell, right. which is based in Aberdeenshire. I've always been a fan of them for some time. I think I first got introduced to them. They have sometimes they have sales and they do a lot of meat that you can freeze and a lot of pre-prepared veg and things. The prices are pretty reasonable and I think they're very good. And so myself and, uh, as, as you put it, my loved one in the singular, um, <laughs> planning our fake Christmas for this year. And um, and we invested in a sirloin mini roast box for two from Donald Russell. So this is a, a comparison to uh, to our mm. pal Tom. And I would say it's of good quality, the stuff that they produce. And again, I'm not being paid to say this. I just like them. So our box that feeds two of us, admittedly, rather than four, even if you were to halve Tom's box, you'd still be paying £107.50, mm. wouldn't you, for two mm-hmm. people you halve two fifteen? So we are getting beef, my apologies to vegetarians and well, and vegan, not and much vegans. here for us vegans, I have to say. But I know, but this is but but we're comparing like uh, with like, aren't okay. we? So Tom's doing a beef Wellington, so I'm going to compare a sirloin beef roast. Okay. If you want to go out and buy a nut roast, Terence, obviously I wish you very well with it. But uh, in You're this right, instance, I will be doing so. But thank you. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Do please, do please <laughs> send me a piece in an envelope if you can. <laughs> um, 
beef sirloin mini roast, which is bonus 500 grams, eight pigs in blankets, um, braised red cabbage with port, Brussels sprouts with pancetta and black pepper. I can only eat sprouts they've been mucked about with. So that's why we've got those in there. Um, Honey roast parsnips, roast potatoes with beef dripping, beef gravy and two luxury Christmas puddings of 200 grams each. So note how we get potatoes and we get vegetables Mm. in this. And we don't get a nebulous free gift, sadly, but we do get these things. Mm. We, for two of us to have this, we've paid £60 and it serves two of us. That's £30 a head. This sounds jolly nice. It's in my freezer. It it came down from Scotland in a polystyrene package filled with dry ice. So we Mm. have fun. You know, I had, or I say we, I think think the show was out. I had fun pretending to be in stars in their eyes in my kitchen (laughs) afterwards when I was trying to get rid of the dried ice and uh, walking out of my kitchen and getting ready to become come out and john for the the people of itv but um i, I it can one well, the well, point quite. i'm making is it can be done it can be yeah. done there and there is a market out there for people that think you know because we were arming and arming about what we're going to do about christmas dinner and we says and then when i found this we just went god isn't it nice just to have and i know that the, the vegetables are pre-prepared you heat them up in the oven i know you might sell what well, are these you know are these ultra processed foods i don't think they are we did have a look into it and research it mm-hmm. but the idea is for a lot of people actually the thought of just having a box has got everything in that you just have to heat up we really liked the idea of that we were just like you know what it'd be really nice to not have to go out to eat but also not have to spend all day trying to cook a roast Absolutely. but just two of us there's definitely you know if there were four, if there were four people that would that would be appealing as well if mm. my parents came or something but the idea of charging 250 quid for it, that does seem to me, it just does seem like greed, I must say. I mean, there is clearly a market here to be exploited, but it is more than possible to do it at a reasonable price. And actually, I do wonder, you say people will buy it. Yes, you're right, people will. How many people will buy it? Well, as many people buy this as, as would buy the, the £60 roast, as would buy the £120 roast from Donald Russell or similar outlets. Mm. I'm not that convinced. Of course, these Tom Kerry uh, schemes and these advent calendars they go hand in hand. We always look forward to these every year. The worst winter wonderland attractions. Absolutely, where, you know, Cardboard yes. reindeer horns are still taped <laughs> onto a pair of listless greyhounds. And, Indeed, uh, yes. It's elves are having a punch-up outside a, a, a shed somewhere. And kids are crying when they as they see Santa smoking a spliff. And uh, oh, you always get the six foot by six foot ice skating rink that's melted, 50 quid entrance fee all in. You know, that's it. come all ye. They're, they're always uh, very good in the tabloids this, this time of year, I always think. Yes, absolutely. There's, and it's always like, I don't know, on a, it's always like near Dartford, isn't it, or somewhere. They're yes, always it's, in it's very un-winter wonderland. Yes. You know, they're, ne- they're never even somewhere that you would say was no. particularly kind of winter adjacent. They're always, they're always in, you know, I don't know, mm. places like Kettering, and there's, ne- it's never mm. really, um, it doesn't ever really <laughs> no. feel very festive, does no, it? No, really? at all. no bless them. And the, and the thing that I feel sorry for about people is we all know that there is a rash of these every single year and people get people, people get keep, had by them every yeah, single time yeah facebook guess, is filled with stories exactly. saying, where can i get my 50 quid back exactly. and i was saying good luck with that <laughs> also why did you go in the first place uh, you know this this is this is one of the christmas traditions now people getting ripped off in places <laughs> like ashford isn't it it's just it really unhappy is, yes. children in the streets of crew i yes. mean it's just, it it yeah everyone needs to start Le- reading the runes and learning the lessons, <laughs> I think. 
Back in the 1950s, Nancy Mitford wrote a magazine article which went sort of viral, if you could say that. Anything could in mm. those days. It yes. was about discerning what was you and non-you, upper class or non-upper class. So, Oh, uh, yes. Mirror is non-you, looking glass is you. Mm. And um, you people say spectacles and you, you know, Juliet people like you, non-you people say glasses. Indeed. Well, um, thank you very much for calling me non-you. I, uh, I appreciate the uh, incredible rudeness, which actually is very you. <laughs> one last example. I mean, us you people listen to the wireless. You non-you yes. people, you listen to the radio. That's well, the, actually, the it's example. DAB now, darling. But well, yes, quite, I, do take, yes. I do take the point that is being made. About um, about five years ago, Nikki <laughs> Nikki Haslam. <laughs> yes, we <laughs> celebrated this at the time. Yes. <laughs> about five years ago. Nikki Haslam took this up with some gusto with um, things Nikki Haslam finds common. Um, and on that first list were conservatories, the proms, uh, love, the word love printed on cushions and women's yes. hour on Radio 4. And late in later years, Nikki added scented candles, Juliet balconies, tote bags and Stanley Johnson. But now, George... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. Now, Jules, you've discovered that people's do-gooder, the saint of mid-morning television, Martin Lewis. Al Martin, if you don't mind. He's become embroiled. I love that word. It's a lovely tabloid word. It's never used in real life in the same way that no one ever calls children tots in real life. There's never a fire. It's always a blaze. Nobody has romps in real life. No, absolutely. That's another one, isn't it? Um, it's it's yes I I, yeah, but, do, I yes it's a great word so yes Martin Lewis is becoming broiled <laughs> in a war of words with Juliet the aforementioned Nikki Haslam indeed but well, the part of the thing that makes the Nikki Haslam list so entertaining whether you agree with it or not is the fact that it's printed on a tea towel which <laughs> I personally think they're quite common That's, but apparently it not really is, yeah. I mean it's it's <laughs> speaking of someone who well we will go on to talk later about live music experiences I attended yet another gig the other week where the band had tea towels you could buy and was umming and ahhing <laughs> with my other half as to whether or not I wanted to buy a tea towel and then came across my godmother in the same auditorium who was about to go and look at some earrings that one of the band was selling. So so it just goes to show, doesn't it? I, I'm, you know, I'm not anti-tea towel. But yes, he princes on the tea towel every year. And there's become a tradition that other ones include bucket, uh, things you find commons include bucket lists, Perry, Grace and Perry, and ordering <laughs> ordering lobster. Um, now, we, now, we love this by Martin Lewis. Now, we try not to swear on this podcast. So this is fairly minor. I don't even think this is really swearing. But anyway, the warnings in advance. If you have small children in the car, then, you know, start education with the life, I suppose. Because uh, um, Martin Lewis took issue with Summer Hadland's choice, Hadland's choices. And the funniest thing about this was that he complained on Twitter and then had to self-centre himself. <laughs> so he put, forgive me, but what a twat Lewis wrote on Twitter slash X in a fit of peak before quickly editing twat to prat. You see, this is why I love Martin Lewis, because he does express himself and then thinks better of it. But he was annoyed by the Northern Lights being included. I, I, I find Nikki's choices to be so utterly random. I don't think women's hour is common at all. I actually think it's quite I classy. think he's anyway, having us on, isn't I he? Think I think it mean... might be, yes. Although I think I do like um I do like this is this is interesting um 
exchange about grief, I think. So he included grieving as being on the list mm. of common, so which Martin Lewis wrote. And I thought this was a good point, actually. Mm. I only wish grief counselling had been common when I needed it, he said, to which Haslam has hit back um, with... The, you know, a, a phrase that people that are self-reflective and considerate always use when challenged on something. Well, I just think I'm right, he told it. He told <laughs> the evening standard. Grief is something one does oneself. You certainly don't need somebody else to tell you you're grieving rightly or wrongly. I think that really does. Um, I think that really does miss the point slightly, no, I must see, say. Can I just say there may be something in that? Because it makes me think of um, when poor um, Princess Diana died and the whole country mm, lost its mind so. for a week. No, I guess so. wailing in the streets and throwing flowers in the air. Having said that, though, I, think I know it's a lot of... those public displays of grief that maybe yes, Nicky has he was meaning. May, although he did... Yes, maybe that is what he is saying. I will take that. Um he um he's apparently he um i love the fact um i love the fact that he that he always includes such varied things if you want a list of the varied things that that you know a, a, a choice of the utter randomness that is nikki has them last year's list includes pornography hydrangeas <laughs> online gambling cushions <laughs> on beds see it say it sort it Ed Sheeran, Nostalgia, Pigs in Blankets and Tote Bags. His 2021 list included art, side plays, <laughs> Instagrams of David Bowie and saying us instead of us. It's and, hard um, to disagree with a, a lot of this from my point of view, I have to say. It's, 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 uh, I mean, you say he might be having us on, really. I, I can understand why... I mean, firstly, I just love Martin Lewis and I love the fact that he edited himself to make his yes. already mild, quite sort of swear, slightly less mild, slightly even more mild, rather slightly less offensive if it was offensive in the first place. Some of this is perhaps a bit of a joke. I can see why I, I see your point about di the Diana thing over the grieving. Although mm. I can see why for some people that might touch a nerve, I think. Mm. I think I think quite a lot of this is very entertaining and very funny. And like you say, a lot of this is not necessarily sort of meant in meant it's the colour of his meant so. in jest. But I think the I think the, the the grieving thing, I can kind of see why that might touch a nerve for some people. Particularly I was talking to someone earlier today about Christmas time of the you know the Christmas time of the year can actually be quite a vulnerable time for a lot of mm, people and of maybe maybe nerves are raw at this time of the year and can mm. be touched more easily. This person you still are Samaritans volunteering over Christmas, so um so yes, I have some sympathy with the anger over grieving um and you know sort of um I see the point that Martin Lewis is making, but the thing is is that you know. This is this is daft, isn't it? A lot of this stuff, and it's very patently daft. The fact that it is printed on a tea towel means that it is quite daft. And I, I'm the first to go class war on things, as you know, Seti. But um, there are lots of this. I mean, when you have a list that has Ed Sheeran and hydrangeas on, on the same list, that is that is it's difficult to take too seriously, isn't it? Really, I'm not sure if I'll be. Where are Nikki Haslam's tea towels available for anywhere? Where can one purloin one of these? Do we know? I think it's through his website. I might have a quick well, look Nicky now. Com, I think. Well, to be fair, um, if how much? Let's see how much a Nikki Haslam tea towel is, because let's see if the price of it is indeed common. Is he um, a Tom Kerridge of the tea towel world? Indeed. How much is a Nikki Haslam tea towel? Um, and you can get them signed by him as well. Mm. Um, if we look in shopping for Nikki Haslam tea towel, I, they're not very easy to get hold of. Maybe if it's easy mm -hmm. to get hold of them, that is common. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, when, when I was young, the worst crime in the world would be to be it's considered common. common. Um, but, but you know, but then one had to walk an awkward social tightrope because I was seven years old when Miss Clark, the headmistress, accused me of being stuck up. Um, oh no god it's a tightrope isn't it it really is she she was probably right but it still wounds 60 years oh man well where is she now i mean probably no longer with us it has to be said um first of all i would point out that nikki hasm is an old etonian so so you know let's see that there's or not um i'm i'm now i've been doing a little bit more investigating whilst trying to uh trying to find out how much it is Hmm. and his tea towel I've just seen something flash up in front of me that suggests that it is um, it's forty pounds apparently. That's quite a lot, isn't it? But how much do you pay for a band tea towel at one of your I'm young trying people's to gigs? I, well, somewhat unprobably, I bought a Pixies tea towel when I went to see them in 2019. I bought a tea towel and a mug, and I seem to remember that the pair cost me twenty pounds. I think oh, so. Right, um, so. I, I bought a Delgado's tea towel, I think, and I think that was a tenner. Maybe so, um, uh, Nick is, are on the finest linen. Uh, absolutely, but surely, surely, surely the act of thinking that it's appropriate to charge £40 for a tea towel is Seems common right. within itself, surely. <laughs> Maybe charging £40 for a tea towel will be on next year's tea towel, I hope so. <laughs> Coming next... I spent a fantastic but eccentric evening mm. with Cliff Richard at Hammersmith. Excellent. Juliet, she's been to see the Stereo Lab and Show of Hands. So we're, we're talking about Cliff next, and you'll recognise this song, but here is the original written by and here performed by Dave Townsend. Oh, I've had many times I can tell you Times when innocence I trade for company And children saw me crying I thought I'd had my share of that But these missionaries Are the longest Midnight diamond stud my heaven Southward burning like the jewels that I your place And the warm winds that embrace me Just to show me kissed your face Yet he's missing I
song and arrangement you can tell cliff and producer bruce welsh leaned heavily on that original mm, when producing their cover a year later this version the original was never released and so a bit of a rarity mm. um dave townsend and miss unites I, I had no idea that was a cover and that's really nice we can always rely on you to sniff out these gems yeah. and you are the truffle sniffer <laughs> of, uh, of 70s and 80s pop so, yes, about a week ago, we had a very last minute mm. chance to go and see Cliff Richard at Hammersmith Odeon um, as part of his Blue mm. Sapphire tour. Not usually our world, uh, Cliff, but I've always had a soft mm. spot for him. And he's released some real bangers over the years, in my he opinion. He has. That's very true. Well, the evening had some fantastic parts to it and some unusual aspects. <laughs> OK, come on. Uh, the, the, the fantastic bits first. Everyone we met around was absolutely lovely. Everybody was chatty and kind. The oh, lady sitting nice. next to us, she had tickets for every day on the tour and was following wow. him all around. Everyone was fanatical about Cliff. And the yes, show really was... does inspire. She really does inspire devotion, doesn't it? Oh, that, that, absolutely. The, the fans there were uh, you know, just absolutely in love with him. They couldn't do it. Absolutely. The team... As, as I said to someone the other day, I'm sure Team Calendar were in attendance. So, hey, hey, hey. so yes. <laughs> um, so the show, show, yes, it was wonderful. All of his UK uh, number ones. Um, so it's just banger after banger. And so oh, absolutely. Misses, That's so all the good fail. ones, yeah. Yeah, the young ones, Summer Holiday, Miss United's oh, Wired yes. for Sound. Now, his voice was superb, seriously mm. superb. And without falling into cliche, I hope, for an 83-year-old man, he was Goodness super me. fit and Absolutely. nimble. You know, so a glorious night. But I did mention some curiosities, and I, I just on. found this quite strange. The show was in two halves, right. but both of those two halves were both separated by the onstage interviews with LBC presenter Ian Dale. That's who, quite random. That's really strange. quite random. He's apparently a fan, but he was palpably nervous. 
and both both sets of interviews rather did drag on and the crowd of course Mm. were getting restless they wanted more they wanted cliff yes they wanted the hit that was the point tim rice had been the interviewer on this was he was doing a run at hammersmith right rice had been the interviewer on the three previous nights but ian dale stepped in and seemed to annoy cliff a bit by poking fun at him a couple of times and you might think well okay maybe cliff can take that but the strangest thing of all was Cliff's mm. chat between the songs, much of which was given over to settling old scores. Oh, you would expect dear. this sapphire tour, all his hits, all his number ones, it would be a big sort of upbeat, hey, a everybody. Celebratory thing. Celebrate yes, it all. Yeah, let's go for it. But no, um, he, he had a go at the Eurovision jury for leaving con- congratulations in second place. 55 years ago, he was still bristling about this quite you know he was serious i'm well but, I, i'm glad that he's part of me is quite is quite impressed that he has harbored a grudge for that long what else talking, hasn't been going on in cliff's life well of course the bbc and south yorkshire police copped it well I, that I, that, that's a very that's a very reasonable no bribe there. i think yeah but then also almost every link between the songs he had a go at record companies uh, american audiences who didn't get him american record companies who wouldn't sign him up uh, radio stations that won't playlist his music it was a long list and in between almost every song is he was tooting and moaning and groaning about this before yeah this is go, rather unexpected <laughs> you know, he was a grown on and on about say um wired for sound not being released in america and you know make a real big thing about it and then say but anyway here it is ladies and gentlemen wired for sound and the band would pick up and you think it was very strange instead of being a joyful retrospective it was a sort of joyful revenge and whinge list uh, i think somebody <laughs> should have told him to drop all that stuff jules but of course as we know nobody does no absolutely i completely agree that sounds like a very weird evening out and you know if you're doing a celebrating also tell you what it reminds me of and i never thought i'd hear these two people in the same mm. breath Reminds me of Morris's autobiography, yes. which which yeah. uh, Tracy Thorne, the lovely singer of everything but the girl, and also solo artist and excellent author in her own right, once described it as very score settly, even for an autobiography. And I think that actually that sounds that sums well, up last Friday at Hammersmith Odeon. I'm afraid it was it was exactly. score settling. It was a very, very strange. Weird. It it was just such a juxtaposition. You had the the fans in love with every moment. The songs great. Beautifully mm. performed, great band, great sound, and in between, somebody moaning and whining about their uh, career and the people who got in the way of them making it big in America. Oh, very or, strange. Yeah, Meanwhile, Jules, while I was at Hammersmith Odeon, you wandered about a hundred yards down the road to the Black Box event space in Hastings. Yes, I did. And I also had a slightly strange evening. Ah. So so we went to this venue to see uh, Stereo Lab, one of my favourite bands, who madly decided they were going to do a warm up in Hastings before a few dates in other perhaps more notable places like mm. Manchester and London. And they also had mm. some European dates as well. We went along. We got along early because the support band were a band called Memorials, who mm. had two people that one of whom I knew of and one of whom I knew a little bit, actually. So so they were comprised of a chap called Matthew, who 
plays guitar in wire nowadays or plays bass in wire nowadays. So I've seen him playing bass in wire. And his bandmate is a woman called Verity Suzman, who used to be the singer in Electra Lane, who oh, I yes. know a little bit through yeah. Instagram. So I chatted briefly with before the beginning of the show and she sort of asked if I knew the venue. And they were excellent. We very much enjoyed them. So the venue used to be known as Black Market VIP and then bit the dust during COVID, sadly. They applied for the first round of Arts Council funding, which they did not get, I think, unfairly, and then packed in as a result. It was then had a weird brief moment as a freak show, which I never thought was going to work and alas didn't, called Dr. Jekyll's. And we were told that this was like one of the first gigs at the new venue that was being relaunched and we were quite excited to go. It was called Black Box. Now, when it was, um, oh, and I think I'd spoken on the podcast previously. Do you remember when the Radiophonic Workshop played in Hastings? And I DJed. It was at that venue. So we were quite looking forward to going. And we decided we wanted to get in beforehand. So we'd say, you know, before it all started mm. so we said oh well, let's go in let's not go for a drink down the road let's go in and i described the previous i went my other and i described the previous venue which i don't think she'd been to when it was open that had you know sort of booths in it around they had a main dance and it had booths around the side and i'd seen steve davis play with his band there for example oh, and watched yes. the setting in one of the booths i'd seen some great stuff there and the sound was really good i went in and the entire fixtures and furnishings had all been removed there was a bar at the back that had always been there and then there was the stereo lab and morals merch stand which was literally a couple of trestle tables and t-shirts hung on the wall they had their tin mugs for sale again which i was delighted by no tea towels sadly which and they used to do tea trays as well which they didn't have sadly but um other than that, it was genuinely a black box, Terence. Nowhere oh, to sit, just oh. a box that had been painted black on the inside. The floor was black. It was a black box um, and oh. didn't have a very big stage. Stereo Lab were rather squashed on to the point where the bass player sort of stood in like a separate section. It was very strange. And they came on and everyone was very excited to see them. It was a 250 sold out audience. So it was a small gig mm-hmm. in a room that was where the sound carried because it was just a black box. There were no fittings, fixtures and, you know, carpets or anything. The floor was wooden. There was nothing to soak the sound up. And this is relevant. So they came on and Letitia Sadier started singing and she's got quite a soft, deep voice. Mm. She's a 55 year old woman now. She's got a very melodic voice. She's got a solo album coming out. Um, Very melodic voice, very beautiful voice. And she often sings in French. So it's quite key to be able to hear what Letitia Mm. Sadier is singing we could not do that for the first oh, two songs, and no. we could hear nothing of what the ba- the bass player who is having to do Mary the deceased Mary Hansen's harmony lines. Mm, mm. We couldn't hear him at all oh, either. God. We just looked at each other for the first couple, and eventually this was sorted out. Um, we didn't know why that it had ever happened in the first place. And they must have what, done a sound check, surely. You would have thought so. And what really irked me, Sir Terence, would have irked me anywhere, but I was doubly mm. irked in these circumstances. Who are these people? So this this gig went on sale at the end of September, was trailed a few days in advance. The tickets, it was trailed on the Tuesday. The tickets went on sale on the Friday, I think, on the Friday morning. Mm-hmm. And I know I'd set an alarm because the tickets went on and sale right. at 10 o'clock in the morning. I happened to be off work that day, luckily. And so I, you know, alarm went off, logged on, bought tickets for us to my, my bandmate who t- attended with us. Um, tickets were £25. I thought that was pretty reasonable. Um, tickets sold out within an hour. So there are 250 tickets that 
sold in an hour. They were difficult to get. You had to make an effort to get these tickets. So we're inside this this black box with all the all the echoing things with sound that you can't hear very well. You're having to strain to hear the singer for the first couple of songs. There were people that talked oh, no. non-stop, oh, non-stop. No couple in front of me two blokes behind me who stopped in the end the sixth time that i looked at them both directly in the face without saying anything i i don't understand it terence i understand perhaps slightly more if you're in a pub and a band happened to be playing when the pub is otherwise open this was a specific gig fans these weren't young people and i will contrast with the second gig that we went to mm. these we were amongst the younger people there and we and and with my party the youngest people in my party are both almost 40 so so you know i know you bless you always bless me by saying me saying that i'm young mm. but most people there were how can i put this white-haired i mean quite a lot of people mm. were white-haired it was it was an older audience there's people that have probably seen them a lot the first time round in the early 90s and actually once they sorted the mic out stereo lab were extremely good they played and played and played given that they we worked out the drummer must be mid 60s they came on early. they were drawn at quarter past nine they came on early they went off at quarter to 11, so they played for an hour and three quarters. Then they came back and finished at curfew time at 11, so they really did, mm. in terms of how much they play, they really did give value for money, and they played really good, and they played a lot of really long jams. They really came into their own, I think, when they were playing a lot of sort of craft work, sort of crowdy kind of long jams. They were brilliant, and actually, the Chisisadio spoke in between songs, and the, the, the crowd was quite warm, and it was good. But... I just got the. I also noticed it here, and this is make me going to make me mm. sound a bit snobbish now. I'm, I'm, you know, there's quite a big cultural battle that goes that's going on in my my hometown of Hastings of sort of DFLs they're known as mm. down from London's people that move down and you know try to impose their own culture. We also have OFBs over from Brighton's now. Stereo Lab weren't playing Brighton on that list of dates. They were playing Manchester. Um, I think they might have played Birmingham. I'm trying to find the dates in front of me now. But essentially what I'm saying mm. is that we noticed that after they went off for the first time at 2011 to 11, and even before that, half 10, it seemed to thin out very quickly. It seemed to become rather... Um, it it did seem that the, the people noticeably left early, and um, I someone said to me, "Why are those people leaving so early?" And I said, "I suspect they need to get trains." Mm, and uh, and so it seemed to be a um, so they played um, you know they 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 played a few of these days, and it was it was you know I'm really pleased that they came to Hastings. We really enjoyed um, seeing them in Hastings. The days that they played on this tour were um, they played Black Box Hastings. November the 9th, the Sonic City Festival in Belgium on 10th of November, the Guess Who Belgium, which they had festival which they created in Holland on the 12th, and then they came back and they played four nights in a row, Marble Factory in Bristol, Content in Liverpool, Rescue Rooms in Nottingham, and Electric Brixton in uh, London. So they didn't play Brighton, and the behaviour of the crowd, because it was, it was a reasonable amount of the crowd, I hate to say as well, mm. um, behave like a bright and this is why i get cross at going to some bigs and gigs in brighton and i've never had it so bad at a gig mm. in hastings before contrast when letitia sadie came and played upstairs in a different venue in hastings probably a similarish size in 2018 i think it would have been november 2018 so almost exactly five years ago and 
she played by herself and it was almost silent throughout but there some drunk people that came in who she then said very politely and very Frenchly, if you do want to chat you can always go downstairs and uh, and got a very long long round of applause as a result and I loved the band I thought they were great I love Stereo Lab I always love watching Stereo Lab when I could hear Letitia Sadier she was excellent along with the rest of the band I don't understand why you'd have such poor sound and I don't understand these people that go to gigs to be seen rather than to listen to the music who are intent on ruining everybody else's night at the same time. Well, it's becoming a familiar theme, unfortunately, isn't it? I yes. think COVID has made it much, much worse. I don't yes, know why. Agreed. I think perhaps is it because people uh, uh, during the two or three years adopted a certain way of behaving in their front rooms, which was to be able to yes, talk over maybe the telly that. and yes. everything. And now they just do that in normal life. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I think I re- mentioned it way back. I, one of the first really bad instances I had of this, I went to see Scritti Politi in 2013 in a very similar sized venue, but in, in central London and Rodri actually had to um, on keyboards had to actually stop altogether mm. and just put out an appeal for because it, even even yeah. the band were being disrupted by uh, the jibber jabber of, of the crowd and I moved several times around in the crowd because mm. um, I just couldn't hear um, Green's voice at all because people were talking so loudly it is it is it, just absurd but of course in this day and age you can't say anything you don't know somebody's going to pull out a machete or something you 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 just have to either move or as you did you know give them a look but um yeah absolutely uh, it's it's, the, it's it was frustrating it is frustrating i mean on another point i mean we often reflect um hear how time hurdles pass like an express train i was absolutely startled to realize when i knew you were going to talk about stereo lab they've been together now for 33 years they have they did have a long period off in fairness they sort of went they went on hiatus in 2008 and then they reformed again in 2019 but yes they have been extraordinary to think that you know as italian 90 was breaking english hearts stereo lab were you know you you know getting together uniting england and france if you like absolutely it just shows how time just flashes past and then as part of your whirl of a yes you went slightly further afield to the beautiful Delaware Pavilion. Yes, where I love going to watch gigs. And I hadn't been for a little while. I don't remember the last time I saw them. I saw Suede, I think, in April with some friends or March. And that would have been the last time I went there. Before that, I went to see Goldfrap, I think. But um, they have some good gigs there. And we, I went, we went to see um, Show of Hands, mm. who are a long-standing folk band who are on largely quite a long, lengthy farewell tour. Um, a brilliant, brilliant band. I've always rather liked them, but I didn't know that much about them. And it turns out they're one of my girlfriend's favourite bands. So, oh. And they were a week apart, these gigs. So lovely. We went to see one of my favourite bands that I'd introduced her to the previous week. And then we went to see the, the other way around, a band she'd introduced me to the next week. So we went to the Delaware Pavilion. We really were the youngest there, we thought. By, by <laughs> There was one man in a waistcoat with a large beard who, who came out in front of us and we thought might have been our age. But mostly we were... We were we were the young whippersnappers there. I, I saw my godparents there. I think I said at the merchandise stand at half time. Um, my god, my godmother was at school with my mum, so that's the sort of the general sort of age. And it was all seated, 
lovely. We had fairly good seats. I think we were row G, I think, down down in the stalls. So we had really good seats. Um, the sound was immaculate. Um, I can't remember. The tickets weren't that much more, I don't think. Um, and we had a, a one. It was a wonderful evening. Again, it started very early. It was perfect for perfect for us in that it started very early. Half seven, the show started. And there was an interval of about half an hour, I think. And then the second half of the show came in and eventually it finished at about five past ten, I think. Uh, we were at home with a cup of tea at half past ten, um, <laughs> which is perfect. And the crowd were often encouraged to sing along by the singer, Steve Knightley, who was excellent. And all the main singer. There was also Phil Beer, his his sort of a longtime comrade. And there was an excellent one called Miranda that performed with them as well. And so it was really lovely, the three of them. It was a largely acoustic tour. They played a whole range of acoustic instruments. It was brilliant. And... Um, and it was just a much less vexing evening, I think. Mm. It was just a, a shame because I loved the music of Stereo Lab. But this was a crowd that knew that that sang along in an appreciative way, but knew how to behave. And it, and the crowd listened to him between, you know, sort of when he spoke in between. It's very funny, Steve Knightley spoke in between. Um, and um, I cannot tell you the joke he told because, it, yes, because I'm not sure. I think we would lose our rating then. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you what. But, um, yeah. but it was very, um, um, it was very good. And, uh, you know, I did say afterwards when we were leaving, I said, oh, I'm going to talk about these these two on the podcast this week. And I said, God, they're really different, aren't they? And, yes, it just made me think, God, I wish that Stereo Lab could have performed to an audience like that. It would have mm-hmm. done, with sound like that, it would have done them a much better service. I know it's a much grander venue, so you're not quite comparing like with like. But it did make me realise that I really enjoy gigs when people are respectful. Right. Yes, mm. quite so. I was delighted to see that um, Show of Hands have a video compilation called Stairway to Devon. Yes, and, uh, they are a West Country marvelous. band. Yes, mm. they are. They are very witty generally. So yes, they're doing. They're, they're still on quite a long tour, and I think they're doing some more dates next year. So um, so they're worth well, checking out. I might look out. Uh, for, yes, I think I'd enjoy it's them. a good show. I think you'd have mm. a nice time. Thanks very much for listening this week. Good to have you along. I support my colleague as always. Now, Juliet can provide you with a very modern version of mixtapes by playing her selections for you, but on the radio. Absolutely. You see, you can enjoy some smooth sailing with me from 7 to 9pm on Sunday evenings on noiseboxradio.com. You can also enjoy some instrumentals, Lost for Words, from 8 to 9pm on Thursdays. It also gets repeated at 11am on Tuesday mornings. Instrumentals of all and no genres, again, at noiseboxradio.com. And back to Stereo Lab to play us out. Yes, I thought I would pick some Stereo Lab, and ironically, or perhaps appropriately, given we have such little such little success in hearing Letitia Saturday at times, this is an <laughs> instrumental. Um, I, I will probably play this on Oswald Lords this week. It seems it seems likely. Um, I really like this. Um, they used to they don't do this so much now, but when they used to tour a lot they used to have a habit of selling tour singles of seven inch singles that you would only be able to buy on the tour as a result of which some of them are quite pricey now but i did manage to get this off ebay fairly recently um it's a sort of a double a side singer that's got a really really cool cover actually it's sort of a graphic graphic art kind of style cover um and i it's it, like i said worth checking it out it's it, the songs themselves have been released recently on um 
uh, one of their compilations. They do these compilations called Switched On, which is partly why they've been touring in the last few years, actually, to to to, to sort of plug these compilations. Um, the original A side was Solar Throwaway, and then this was the B side to it. And I really like this. It came out in 2006. This is uh, Stereolab and Jump Drive Shutout. listening to a Parish Council production.